The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. How's everybody doing this morning? Merry Christmas. By the way, Merry Christmas. Nothing works this morning. Isn't that awesome? It's kind of like going home for family Christmas. That's awesome. The screens went out. The sound is popping, but we're glad that you're here this morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Story City Church, and we are in the Christmas season. How many of you guys like Christmas? Is this a good time for you? You love it? Okay, good. Good. It's my favorite time of the year. By far, without question, I love the Christmas season. So we start a brand new series today. It's called On His Shoulders. If you have a Bible, you can turn it on or turn it to the book of Isaiah this morning, chapter 9, starting in verse 6. And we're going to take four messages over the next four, three Sundays and the Christmas Eve, Eve service. And we're going to make our way through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah gave four names to the Messiah. And we're going to work through all four of those names. And in those names, embedded in those names, is a promise that Jesus has made to you and to me. And I'm excited to um, explore the scriptures today and over the next few weeks, thinking through the names of Jesus. By the way, when you think of names, names can be a tricky thing. If you're a parent here this morning, you plan to be a parent at some point in time in the future, when you have kids... It's a tricky thing to name your kids, right? Like there's all kinds of rules when it comes to naming kids. If you ever dated somebody in the past with a specific name, that name is off limits. Um, I've been there, done that, right? If you uh, know somebody in your past who is just was a bad experience with them, that name is off limits. And uh, it's not an easy process to name your kids. You got to think through the first name. You got to think through the last name, because if you don't think through names, it can really set up your kids for, for the rest of their life. Uh, think of the Mann family. They named their daughter Anita. <laughs> Anita Mann. Thank you, Mom. I really appreciate it. I was watching the credits for a movie um, recently, and one of the producers' name, his first name was Chris. His middle name was P. His last name was Bacon. Chris P. Bacon. I was watching the news, seriously, true story. Fox LA was telling the story of a guy who got caught for shoplifting, I believe it was, and his name was Cash, spelled with a K, last name, Register. Cash, Register, true story. You got to be careful with the names that you give your kids. Well, in Isaiah chapter 9, we've got a prophet 700 years before Jesus was born, and he assigns titles and names to the one we would call the Messiah, and embedded in those names are promises that, they, that, that, that Jesus makes to you and me this Christmas season. So here's what I want to do. If you have a Bible, turn it on, turn it to, and then we're going to jump right into the scripture this morning, but I want to do this first. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for another Sunday you've given us. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the promise you have made, and Jesus, we rest in those promises today. So God, as we explore the scripture, I pray that you would speak to us deeply about the wonderful counselor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. I want to do this this morning. I'm going to read it, and then I want you to read it with me, okay? Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, that's Jesus's humanity. A son will be given, that's his divinity. And the government will be on his 
shoulders. We get really creative with our series title uh, for this series. And the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Read the second half of that verse with me, if you will. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We want to focus on the name and the title this morning, the Wonderful Counselor. Um, the Hebrew um, is two words. The Hebrew gives us two English words, or two Hebrew words that gives us two English words. The first Hebrew word is Pele, 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 am I saying Pele? And Pele means a great soccer player. And so, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> Pele means, um, it means wonderful. It means, um, it means, it gives us this connotation, this idea of something that's too wonderful for words, beyond understanding. And so Isaiah is writing before the Messiah ever sets foot, before he's ever born. And he is saying, there's not even a name that's great enough and, and incredible enough to explain how awesome he will be. Pele, the second Hebrew word is yoez. Yoez means counselor. It means to consult, to give advice. We have the wonderful counselor in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. One day, Isaiah says, a child will be born, a son will be given, his name will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and he knows you and cares for you, and he understands exactly what you are going through. The New Testament scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. The wonderful Savior that Isaiah is writing about here in the Old Testament before he would ever be born is, is, is not like you and I. He w- would be and he is a man who understands us completely and fully in all of our faults, in all of our shame, in all of our doubts, in all of our struggles, in all of our insecurities. And that's why Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want to launch into this series this morning and and, um, be as we always are here at Story City. We want to be honest this morning and say that there are some of us who have significant need and we bring that into the church this morning. We have significant trial, we have significant trouble, and Jesus is saying, the scripture is saying, there is a Pele Yoaz, wonderful counselor who is here to help. And I wonder this morning if some of us came into a church and were sort of skeptical as to whether or not there is a God who cares, or whether or not there's a God who even can help us in our time of trial, in our time of of struggle. There's a story in the New Testament in the book of Matthew where Jesus befriends one of the outcasts in society. And uh, he was a guy that would be considered without morals. He would be considered a guy who was corrupt. He was always uh, engaging in relationships that would benefit him and him alone. And Jesus befriends this guy. Not only does he become friends with him, but he invites him and all of his buddies over to his house for a party. And he throws a party for him. And all the religious leaders of the day um, are, are indignant. They are 
Uh, they come unglued when they realize that Jesus has thrown a party for one of the outcasts in society. And, and Jesus knows what they're thinking and he knows what they're saying. And so Jesus has a moment where he steps outside of the house. He removes himself from the party where the religious leaders are, are standing with their ears to the door to find out what's going on inside. And Jesus steps out and he makes a statement to them that I think is important to us today. And this is what he says to them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. This morning, Jesus came for the sick. You're probably like those people that Jesus threw a party for. In fact, actually all of us are like the people that Jesus threw a party for. We're all um, the, the, we're, we're all the unsuspecting. Uh, we're all the, uh, the ones that were the unlikely that Jesus would come for. We all bring our dysfunctions into this world and into our relationships, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, our strongholds. And Jesus looks at you today. By the way, I love Christmas season, and I know by your, by your identification just now that you love Christmas too, but this is not the easiest time of the year for a million reasons, because we know we have dysfunction, or even because we love the season, but there's a nostalgia that we look back to, and we can never seem to get back to it. For whatever reason, this is a difficult season, and Jesus looks at us in this difficult season, and he says to us, where are you sick this morning? Where do you hurt? The Pele Yoaz, the wonderful counselor, says, I know there's worry. I know there's anxiety. I know there's stress. I know there's hopelessness. I know you go to bed alone. I know you eat alone. Why have you come to me today? Where are you sick? Um, confession at the front of this message, and then we're going to drop into a few biblical principles, I believe, that the scripture will give us as to how we can find healing in the process of seeking counsel from the wonderful counselor. Um, I've been in ministry now for 16 years, and I spent nine years of my life in a very large church of about 18,000 members. It was a large church, and it was a significant church, and it exerted influence all over our country. And for the first six months of my, uh, when I started in that job, I literally showed up to every meeting with my briefcase. Uh, it was a leather briefcase, and it cost about 250 bucks that my mom gave to me. And, um, and I carried it with me because in my mind, it signified that I'm here to do work, and I'm going to do a good job. Seriously, that's what I thought. And I would show up to every single meeting with my briefcase in hand. I would open up, pull my, uh, I don't know what I had at the time, maybe an iPad or something, and I, and I would do work. And for six months, I would show up with that briefcase, and our executive pastor came to me after one meeting and he said to me, Matt, <laughs> you're home now. <laughs> you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. And I wish I would have listened to his advice now 11 years ago. But there's a problem that I've had in my life and I still have it to some degree, but I'm a workaholic. You can ask my wife, she's sitting up here this morning. Uh, I, I work and I'm dealing with it now and I'm, I'm much better than I ever was. But I would wake up early, I would wake hard through the day, I would work way into the early hours of the morning. I never stopped working until the point that I found myself in the emergency room one night and I thought that I was having a heart attack because I was so stressed and there was so much anxiety over the ministry that I was leading. And so in the process of trying to figure out where my deficiencies were, my wife looked at me at some point over the last few years and she said to me, you need help. You need to find a counselor. 
You need to find somebody's wisdom who can speak into your life. Can I say what I, how I responded to her this morning? My response wasn't as much verbal as it was mental. My response was counseling is for people who are really jacked up and I'm not there yet. I don't need counsel. I'm too prideful, honestly, to go and seek somebody's advice. So I find myself in an emergency room. Uh, the tape rolls forward a few years later and God's called me to plant a church in this city and I'm being mentored by a man and I'm sitting in front of him the first time I'd ever met him, the first 30 minutes I'd ever laid eyes on him and he says, Matt, tell me your story. And I started out with my story just like this. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. They've all worked hard. I'm a hard worker and I'm very driven. That was the first two to three sentences of my story. He stopped me after two sentences and he looked at me in the eyes and he said to me, Matt, I don't give a and this is church, so I'll just say rip. <laughs> I don't give a rip if you're driven. I want to know if you're led. And for one of the first times in my life, somebody was honest with me, and it began me on this journey of saying, I need to ask for somebody's wisdom and counsel into my life. And, I, and this is part of the message this morning, but about two months ago, a man started counseling me. For the first time in my life, I sat in front of a man who would be able to search me and ask me questions, and honestly, to this day, is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And can I say to you, I texted him yesterday, and I texted that mentor who said that to me several years ago, and I just want to say, he's reminded me that all of us make terrible saviors, but the role of, of a human counselor is ultimately to point us to a good savior, who is an even more wonderful counselor. And so as we read this scripture this morning, I, I want to I give you just three basic biblical principles for how we can find healing with the wonderful counselor. The first thing I want to challenge you to embrace is this. The first thing I want to challenge you to embrace is this. You need to be painfully honest with the counselor. I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about God, and I don't know what your problems and your struggles are, and I'm trying to superimpose what your problems and challenges are over what my problems and challenges are. But in John chapter four, Jesus meets a woman and he breaks every sort of societal rule in order just to have a conversation with her. And he's standing in a well and he asks her if she can give him something to drink. The conversation moves on and Jesus eventually asks her, where is your husband? Actually, he says, go find your husband. And the woman says back to Jesus, I don't have a husband. And Jesus, because in her honesty, Jesus looks at her and he says to her, you're exactly right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And now the man that you're living with is not your husband either. And Jesus, because of her honesty, begins to speak life into her because she was somebody just like most of us. Most of us in this room, she wanted to be loved. She wanted to be accepted. She, she thought that she just found the right person. Life would eventually have meaning. And Jesus meets her in her place of need. And when she's honest with him, Jesus is able to speak into her life and say, actually, I'm the one that gives life and meaning to every day of your life. This morning, I really believe it's a great challenge for us to be honest to God. There's a guy who wrote a book called honest to God. It's about dating and marriage and relationships, but some of us in this room need to get honest with God. Maybe some of us honest for the first time in our life. Maybe some of us need to get scary honest with God this morning and say, God, I've been praying. 
God, I've been asking. I've been seeking you for weeks and months and maybe even years, and I don't know where you are. Some of us may need to get honest about our marriages this morning. In fact, if God doesn't intervene and step in, we need to be honest with God to say, God, I don't think this is going to make it without some wise counsel. Some of us may need to be honest with God about our finances. Some of us need to be honest to God about our addictions and honest to God about relational chaos that's happening in your life. I'm talking about brutal honesty with the Pele Yoas, the wonderful counselor. You need to be honest with the counselor, painfully honest, and deal with your sickness because this is what Scripture says happens when you are when you are open before God. Psalm chapter fifty-five, verse twenty-two: Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Can you just say that with me? The first part of this verse. Just say it with me. If you'll bring it up on the screen, cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. That's a promise that God makes to you this morning. That's the promise that the Pele, Yoaz, the one who is more wonderful for words, that's what he says to you. Cast your cares on me this morning. Some of us need to be painfully honest with God about what we are dealing with in our sickness. The first part of the process is being painfully honest. The second part of the process is that you need to listen to the counselor's voice. There's good news this morning. God really does care about you. (laughs) God cares about what you do, what you should do, what you might do, what you ought to do. He cares about your pain, your struggle, your challenge, your trial. And never once has ever God offered advice and wisdom to somebody, and he kind of rolled it back. It's like, oops, I'm sorry. That was actually really bad advice. Actually, God really cares more about speaking to us than, quite honestly, we care about listening to him. Jesus has this, uh, this parable that he talks about in John chapter 10, and he's talking about sheep and a shepherd. And, and he goes on to say in John chapter 10 that, that sheep will listen to the shepherd's voice. And then he goes on to say that sheep will ignore a stranger's voice. And that's interesting because Jesus goes on to unroll this idea that sheep don't listen to a stranger's voice because he knows that a stranger's voice doesn't have their best interest in mind. But the shepherd, the shepherd cares so much for the sheep that he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. It's actually talking about Jesus and his desire to lay down his life for us. And so I was curious when I read that, and and Jesus makes a very clear statement. They don't listen to a stranger's voice. They just listen to the shepherd's voice. I'm not a shepherd. I don't know if that's obvious or not. I do like flannel. I don't know if shepherds wear flannels, but I'm not a shepherd. And so I just, I Googled it. I literally, I'm like, like do, do sheep listen to strangers' voice? And literally the first video that I saw came up. And this is it. I want you to watch it. I think this is fascinating. Just watch this video. One more time. Oh, <laughs> 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 
fascinating to me. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they listen to me. It's, it's, honestly, that was such a powerful video. I know that seem, may seem cheesy to you, but I was, it was an emotional video for me. Like, 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 like I, there is a shepherd who cares so diligently for me that when he speaks, I listen. So the question for us this morning is, is, is how do I listen to God? How does God speak to me? And this is an entire message in itself, and maybe we'll do it someday. But, but if you're taking notes this morning, just write these five things down, and we can, we can work through these in another message this morning. But I think it's so instructive to you. I, I, I want to I just give you kind of a roadmap for how God speaks to you, and I wish I could unveil every single one of them. But number one, how God speaks to us is he speaks to us through the scriptures, through the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And when it does so, in all things and all things and all things and all things are laid open and bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to live. The scripture says to us that it's living and active and it divides our heart. Why don't we listen to it? Why don't we read the scripture? I think I know why. Because when we read the scripture, the scripture begins to read us, and it's not always difficult and easy to deal with. It's not about how much you know when you read the scripture, by the way. I'm still working on Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about, it's not about how much you know, it's how much you apply. And so here's the first thought. When, when, when we are trying to listen to the voice of God, number one, he speaks through scripture. I could, I could walk you through my, my journey since 17 and knowing Jesus, how God spoke to me from Matthew chapter nine, from Isaiah chapter six. I could uh, tell you how God has spoken to me from I, Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 14. The scripture, God speaks to us. Not reading the scripture, like, like wanting to hear God's voice but refusing to get in his word is sort of like saying, I need a bath but I don't want to get under the water. Jesus speaks to us through his word. Number two, he speaks to us through his spirit. He told the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. In fact, in John 14, 26, the advocate, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father 
Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Um, there are times when the Spirit brings scriptures to mind. There are times when the Spirit brings people to pray for to mind. There are times when the Spirit prompts me to have conversation. Number three, how God speaks to you, others. Others. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you have people in your life that love you? Hopefully you do, but let me ask you another question. Do you have people in your life that love Jesus more than they love you? There's a difference, and the difference is such that if they don't love Jesus more than they love you, then they will always tell you what you want to hear, and they will never tell you the truth. Honestly, honestly, um, um, I want to pastor you and shepherd you just for a moment. There are some of us have relationships where we are deeply ingrained in and those people don't love Jesus more than they love us. And I'm telling you, it's devastating to your relationship. I'm talking about your most intimate relationships that you have. Proverbs 15.22 says, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Number four, being still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. You know the story of Jesus, he, um, he would often get alone by himself and he would go pray. He would pray in the garden alone. And uh, if we would take time to be quiet and still our hearts, uh, the scripture promises God will speak. This is, I'm, I'm breezing through these really quickly, but the Bible, the spirit, others being still, and then finally circumstances. Circumstances, you know, um, I don't place as much weight on circumstances as I do the scripture and his spirit, but there are oftentimes in the scripture when there were people who were walking through storms. You know that when you read the New Testament, there are a lot of people who are walking through storms. And sometimes when we walk through storms, we think, oh my gosh, this is God. This is vengeance against me. This is wrath. This is God getting back against me and to me. And sometimes when we read the scripture and we see storms in people's lives, it's not that God is getting back against us. It's God's voice speaking loudly to us. And he's saying, please listen to me. So the first thought and how to seek healing from the wonderful counselor. The first thought is, is that we would be painfully honest. The second thought is that we would listen to him. And then the third thought finally is that we need to do what the counselor tells you to do. <laughs> I tried, to ma- I tried to make this, this sermon as plain as I possibly could so you couldn't mince words here. You need to do what the counselor tells you to do. I told somebody this morning who was coming in the service, when I graduated high school, I was 174 pounds. And uh, I played football and baseball, and I was an athlete, and I was pretty trim, and 174 pounds. A few years after that, when I graduated college, I gained five pounds. I moved up to 179 and another pant size. And, um, and, and so I was at 179 pounds for about 15 years. And uh, three months ago, I was at 179 pounds, and I can't explain what happened. Maybe it was you. I'm going to blame it on you, all right? I gained four pounds in the last three months, okay? I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's 40% of the weight that I've gained over the last 20 years. And all of a sudden, my pants are not fitting well, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never owned a scale in my life, by the way. I went to Walmart about three weeks ago, and I'm like, baby, I'm getting a scale because I'm tired of myself, all right? I got on the scale, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have gained four pounds. The world is coming to an end. Baby, I am juicing tomorrow. (laughs) And I'm eating salad, and I'm going to eat chicken, and I'm going to eat tofu, and I'm going to eat seaweed chips. I will never eat seaweed chips. And I'm like, I am going on a diet. And then Thanksgiving hit. 
and we're preparing food for all of you guys who came over. And I'm like, we can't, we can't, I can't not eat this. That would be a terrible steward of the money that God gave us to buy. The, I'm going to eat for Thanksgiving. And then the next day, the next day, I'm going to eat leftovers because I, it would just be a bad steward. And there's starving kids in Africa. So I can't just let these leftovers be thrown in the trash. And so by Sunday, most of the leftovers from Thanksgiving are gone, except for like the 10 pounds worth of peach cobbler that Tommy, wherever he is, brought over to my house, all right? And I'm like, I've got to finish this off. And so Thanksgiving passes, and then Laura's mom is in town, and we're eating like hamburgers and milkshakes. And I'm like, this would be rude of me not to eat while they're here. And now they just left this week, and Christmas is coming. And you know what? I'm not going to deprive my family who wants to serve me a, an incredible meal, right? I'm just, I'm not going to do it. And so here's what I'm going to do. After January, New Year's, I'm going on a diet. And when January gets here and when I go on a diet, I'm going to eat hamburgers and milkshakes and fries, and I'm going to do exactly what I've always done. You know what one of my greatest fears is? What like, of my greatest fears is that you look at me like a New Year's diet. Like you, I'm just being real with you this morning. Like one of my greatest fears is that you look at me like a New Year's diet. You never intend. Like, like Pastor Matt, this is a good idea. It's a good idea, Pastor Matt. But I never intend to actually do what it says. It's my greatest fear. Like that's every pastor's greatest fear. Like we open up the scriptures, we, we read the words of God and we're like, this, this can transform your life. I'm afraid you look at me in this book like, like, like a New Year's diet. Like it's a great idea, but I don't ever intend to obey it. I don't ever intend to do it. There's a story in Mark chapter 10, Jesus encounters a man like if he was a present day guy, he would be young and famous and rich and into his image and into his cars and he would be incredibly popular and he would have lots of money and Jesus looked at him and he said, there's one thing you lack, go and sell everything you own. Mark chapter 10, verse 22, Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Jesus told him one thing to do. The very next verse says, the man went away sad and his face fell because he had great wealth. You know, if, if, if you're really struggling, if you're really hurting this Christmas season, there's a Pele Yoas. There, there, there is a wonderful counselor that you need to listen to you need to be honest with and quite honestly you just need to obey him you need to do what he says I don't want to project what you need to do this morning. That's not my role. That's no pastor in this room's role to project that onto you. That's between you and the wonderful counselor. And here's the deal. I can only take you so far. This band can only take you so far. A worship service can only take you so far. A church can only take you so far. The rest is between you and Jesus. The rest is between you and the wonderful counselor.
the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Be honest. Listen. Obey. Can I challenge you with something very practical? Maybe this week you need to make an appointment with the wonderful counselor. I have an appointment not this week, but next week with my counselor who will always remind me that he's not the best savior, neither am I, but there is a savior and a counselor who can feed my soul. Maybe this week you need to make an appointment with the wonderful counselor. Sit down with him, open your heart with him. There's nothing, there's no problem, no trial, no struggle that you can open your heart to him about that he can't not understand, that he can't not identify with. There's no trial, no struggle, no challenge, not only that he can't not identify with, but that he's not willing to engage with you with. So maybe you just spend 10 minutes a day with Jesus this week. Can you do that? For the next week, 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day, you open up the scripture, Luke chapter 1. Read, read some scripture, and you simply say to God, God, I sure would like to hear your voice. Whatever you want to say, I'm open. I realize this morning some of us have issues that are so deep and challenging that we really need somebody in our life to wrestle and help us shave those out into something beautiful and I recognize the value of professional biblical counseling I'm not undermining that today what I am saying is ultimately that biblical counseling that professional counseling should ultimately point you to the wonderful counselor who can feed your soul and I hope that he will do that with you this week let me pray for us and then we're going to take communion together this morning Jesus Thank you for the promise even before you were ever born. God, in your wisdom and your understanding, God, you allowed a man to speak prophetically and look into the future and say, I understand, but he's coming. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God, I'm reminded this morning that you don't make a promise that you intend to break. And God, there's people in this room this morning that you, we're asking you, Jesus, to tangibly keep your promise to them because we know you will, by the Spirit of the living God, would you bring them to a place where they would make an appointment with you this week. Jesus, we love you. As we sing, as we take communion. We pray it would honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at me real quick. We're going to observe a time of communion. We do it about